There's no such thing as one technology that is perfect and gonna solve all of your problems. And I don't care what their salesperson tells you, it does not exist. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I am your host, Chase Clymer. And today, welcoming to the show an integrations expert local here to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Ryan leads up Blended Edge and their team helps make integrations less painful is what he was kind of telling me before the break here. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Awesome. So uh, we spoke on Unprepared before and quickly realized that our conversation could have gone, you know, full bore. We could have we could have just been talking forever about kind of the t- points we were touching on there. So I kind of wanted to focus our conversation today and kind of expand on this idea of custom versus off-the-shelf solutions and the pros and cons of them. So you know, with that, I guess, let people know uh, why they should give a crap about what you have to say and kind of your history in the uh, solutions ecosystem and integrations in general. Sure. We definitely just scratched the surface in that conversation. So let's even put e-commerce aside for a second. In any business whatsoever, you have a choice of buying something off the shelf to solve a problem that you have or to build software custom to solve the problem that you have. And then there's kind of a gray area in between where a lot of people fall where you buy something and then you have to kind of customize it or tweak it. And especially when you're up in the enterprise, that's a little bit more common. But if you kind of look at those two binary choices, a lot of the time, a company will make the decision to buy to, to build something, excuse me, because they believe they have some sort of a fundamentally new requirement or their business process is so unique that nothing commercial is going to solve it or whatever reason. And I would posit that the vast majority of the time, that is probably not the correct answer. The likelihood that you are trying to do something so novel especially if you're a younger company that's just kind of getting your feet under you that requires you to build custom software is pretty low. Now, if you're a software company, that's different. Like if you're building a product that says, you know, hey, we're going to solve this problem in some some new way, then yeah, you're going to build your own software custom. But if you're a, a any kind of business that's just using software, it's it's highly unlikely. So, take e-commerce for instance. We have e-commerce platforms now. Uh, we have Shopify, we have Magento, we have BigCommerce, we have I don't know, 500,000 other ones out there. You Google for days finding these things. If you decide you're going to build a checkout flow from scratch, I would be surprised if you have a reason that justifies it. Oh, yeah. So that's a good way to kind of look at it. Absolutely. Before we dive any deeper into that, let's talk about your history real quick and let people mm-hmm. know kind of the chops that you have in this in this environment and, and uh, you know, just the knowledge that you're bringing to the table here. Yeah, totally. For about six or seven years after I finished up at Ohio University, I was a uh, implementation consultant for enterprise software. I mostly implemented Adobe's enterprise technology stack. And at first, that was kind of a goofy Frankenstein of Flash that they're trying to put into the enterprise and this PDF workflow solution called Lifecycle, which I think is still around in some in some shape or form. But as Adobe started to acquire technologies like Omniture, 
company called Day Software that had a product called CQ5 and a bunch of other digital marketing products for the enterprise. They kind of built this really interesting marketing tech, digital marketing suite that now is in the enterprise is probably the leading leading one on the market, the leading product suite on the market. It's almost like Salesforce for, for digital marketing for, for big, big companies. So uh, I used to... First, you know, just as a developer on the teams implementing, then kind of leading teams and then leading strategy for implementations of that product suite, primarily around the, the content management system, which is now called Adobe Experience Manager. So did that for, like I said, six or seven years. And then I joined a, a startup here in town that did uh, integration for retailers and e-commerce companies. First, I ran digital marketing for them, which was a little bit of a, a black sheep role for me. Uh, and then I ran product for a few years. And eventually was the COO for a few years. So that was really where I, I got way into the weeds for not just the e-commerce and retail requirements and things that are happening in that world that are fundamentally changing things, helping companies implement omni-channel retailing workflows, things like that. But I got a, a pretty good uh, chunk of experience there working in, in very, very specifically a software integration context. And, and that's where I spent all my time for, again, another six or seven years until um, till we started Blended Edge here this re- pretty recently last year. Since 2004, Avalara's vision has been to harness the power of cloud technology to help simplify sales tax for businesses of all sizes. Avalara solutions are designed to affordably scale with businesses as they grow over time. Tax compliance is not a revenue-generating activity. So, Avalara's technology is designed to help you manage compliance as efficiently and accurately as possible so you can reclaim your valuable time and reduce risk in your business. With more than 1,000 signed partner integrations, Avalara likely integrates with the ERP, e-commerce, mobile payment, and point-of-sale systems you use today. Find out how your business can be sales tax ready at avalara.com slash honest. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Avalara. Tax compliance done right. Awesome. So uh, for over a decade, uh, you know, maybe a dozen years now, you've been bolting together off-the-shelf technologies. Absolutely. And you know, sometimes it's ones like Shopify that require a little bit less bolting. And then sometimes it's one like Adobe Experience Manager that is very, very much a platform. And there's a lot of bolting that goes on top of it. Okay. And so uh, I guess first and foremost, <laughs> let's just tell people the fact... Like, If you're going to take one thing around the, out of this conversation today, don't Custom build something if you haven't sold anything. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good perspective to have as well. Like if you're if you're coming up with the business plan or you're early in the business, you want to demonstrate the business model first and the sales model and the market direction before you start building software, which is an expensive, complicated endeavor. Yeah, I mean, obviously, most of the audience here is is merchants, you know, and I, I believe a lot of them are are now on Shopify because you know everyone's been praising it. But there are some consultants out there, and even if you're kind of approaching maybe a SaaS type idea, the no code ecosystem, you can get an MVP off the ground and probably get VC funding with a no code solution these days. Oh, absolutely, yeah, it's it's crazy how effective some of those things are too. Like I've played around with Bubble IO. I mean, you could build a SaaS application that actually serves customers. You know, a business enterprise application on on Bubble, and you have to know almost no coding. It's like it's almost like using WordPress, except it's frankly it's a little easier. Yeah, those it, all that stuff is. If I wasn't in e-commerce, that's probably where I'd be. If I I'd be in that no code thing. Uh, it's just so much stuff that at the agency I've got. Uh, 
you know, sometimes we like to politely say Frankenstein together, but I mean, mm-hmm. Zapier, I am a magician with these days and we, a lot of cool processes are in place with that. And I've been playing around with a bunch of the other automation softwares, but you know, that's, that's kind of getting a little bit away from the, the, the point and the topic, which is if you're going to start a business these days, you know, and we touched on this during unprepared, you're not reinventing the wheel. You know what I mean? You are fundamentally not doing anything that someone else probably hasn't done. And you know there are those edge cases. You got your your Bezoses and your uh, your Apples and all those things, and and those are going to do what they do. But ninety percent of businesses are solving a problem that's been solved before, and they're putting their own special spin on it. And there's going to be a solution out there or a uh, a stack. You know nowadays with APIs, you know you can kind of build a stack that solves for the solution you're trying to provide in the way that works. Yeah, and I'd say that's especially true in a domain like e-commerce or retail, which is really what e-commerce is—it's just a digital version of retail, which is a business model that's been around for like hundreds, maybe thousands of years. Like it's not a—it's not a new thing by any means. So if you're going to start a company that's selling merchandise, you're really, really, really unlikely to be inventing something new in terms of of business model. So that's where you really should start by looking to looking to best practice stacks or technology approaches that are out there. Start with the simplest possible one you can to be able to demonstrate that the product you're trying to sell has market viability, the brand you're trying to put forth has market viability, all that kind of thing. And just make the technology less a part of the problem. Yeah. The technology piece is something I see a lot of merchants or younger entrepreneurs getting held up on. But I need this piece. I need to do this exact thing. And they're making that the barrier when honestly you need to go out there and focus on sales you need to sell the thing yeah like if it's if it's got product market fit if it's solving a problem and there's actually a customer base out there go sell it you know what i mean and the customers will tell you how to improve everything your assumptions and you're putting limiting factors in it saying that you need something to be super custom or it needs to work a certain way usually is never the case yeah yeah i think you're you're totally right um honestly i think sometimes it's a especially with an early business it's a little bit of just a lack of focus thing or maybe even uh you know i need to work on a thing and here's a problem i can i can work on and if you prioritize a problem like how do i handle this really really specific thing that i want to do and i have in my head that is super important you actually might be spending a lot of time on something that shouldn't be prioritized very high on your list and i think it's just a, a discipline that you have to learn to put aside the things that aren't that important that might take a lot of time and to um, to prioritize the things that are most important. What's interesting is it's, it's kind of a different application of the idea, but we use, a, a, I think it's called a nine box framework for helping software companies prioritize their integration opportunities. And what that means is not that important, but you have a uh, you know a two axis scale and then nine boxes, high, medium, low on, on, in both direction on each of these. And you prioritize, well, sorry, one, one axis is your impact that it's going to have on your business. And one axis is effort. How much is it going to take in terms of time, money, et cetera, to get it done? And you, you kind of break it up into, in, into those separate you know, nine boxes and, and put the things you need to do in those boxes. And then there's actually a, a theory for how you should prioritize which ones you do in what order. It's a little bit counterintuitive. 
you should actually be kind of regardless of impact focusing on the low effort ones first because you can get them out and have them creating value for your business, whether it's big or small, as quickly as possible. Having a whole bunch of new things out that are, are relatively small is a lot better than grinding your gears on something that is high impact, but it takes a really, really long time. So it's, a, it's just a good methodology for kind of sorting out all the things you need to do and kind of picking and choosing, using a rough outline for how those things stack up against one another. Awesome. Nobody likes insurance, but everybody should have it. Mistakes do happen. Our partner Rewind can protect your Shopify store with automated backups of your most important data. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Trusted by over 70,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Gymshark, Gatorade, and Movement Watches. Best of all, respond to any of their welcome emails and mention Honest E-Commerce to get your first month absolutely free. So I got two things to say there. First is, do you have any resources on this framework that we could share uh, in the show notes or, or anything like that? Um, I have a blog post on our website about it. It's just uh, very particularly uh, written toward uh, prioritizing integration projects. But uh, e- even if you kind of ignore the technical part of what that really means, um, it does explain the framework a little bit. That might be helpful. Awesome. I'd have to dig up to see if I have anything else about using a framework like that. I'm not even really sure what it's called. I just know that it exists and I've used it before. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, this will come out... Uh, we'll have a few weeks. So maybe it gives you some time to, to polish it up and make it better. But regardless, it's going to be linked in the show notes and you'll be able to find it. And then uh, kind of in line with that, I think founders and entrepreneurs, we all have this like, we all have shiny object syndrome, you know what I mean? And I think as you mature as an entrepreneur and uh, you, you get better at ignoring those things. So, you know, when you're younger, you always want to, you know, try out tools and dabble with things and experiment. And that's kind of the fun that's, it comes with the territory. It's fun, but it is, like you said, it's counterintuitive. It, it, is, a, it is a waste of time. The things that are going to have the most impact are going to be the ones that are unfortunately kind of in, increasing sales most of the time, especially. In e-commerce, like what is going to sell more product? That's where you need to focus all your energy. Oh yeah, and and you know, you and me both probably fall fall victim to it as well. The starting to to spin on something that you don't need to, and then you got to kind of check yourself and go, okay, wait, wait a minute, that's kind of cool. Let's put that aside. We'll decide how important that is, etc. I think it's important to leave a little bit open for experimentation or learning or things like that. But it's 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 like it's almost how you look at making a kind of a risky investment. Like if you're gonna buy a stock that you think might pop off or something like that. You don't want to invest more money than you could stand to lose. Well, for the experimental stuff, you don't want to invest more time than you could stand to lose. So if it turns out to not be anything worth anything at all, no value to the business, nothing you're gonna go forward with, the time spent on it wasn't so detrimental that you that you you wish you had that bag and had spent that elsewhere. And and frankly, that means you're you're probably spending a relative small amount of time on those sorts of things so that you can focus on sales and and building the fundamentals of the business, which again are probably not that unique to what you're doing. Oh yeah. So let's go back to the topic of discussion. It is custom versus off the shelf. And let's talk specifically about e-commerce platforms. And then we'll talk about more of the ancillary features and ecosystem in there as well. So uh, we've kind of you know said like you don't need custom at the beginning. When do you believe that a custom solution 
would make sense or does it ever make sense for your e-commerce website itself i i have a hard time thinking that it ever makes sense you know nothing is is 100% true so i'm sure there are models out there where there it does justify building something very very custom but there is so much variability in the uh, software products that are out there and uh, options for how you can customize on top of an already available commercial solution that it's just really, really hard to find something where that isn't the case. Now that said, there is a, a pretty wide range between signed up for a Shopify store and made a couple tweaks to a free template and either did a Magento store or a Shopify Plus or, or something a little bit more sophisticated and then paid an agency to do a very well thought through, pretty heavily customized template that really takes into account your branding and some unique aspects of the experience that you want to have on the website. And depending on where you are in the maturity of your business and your understanding of customer needs and stuff like that, you got to figure out where you are on that spectrum. But it's still, even when you're at the heavy end of customization there, you're not building custom software. You're not writing custom checkout flows and payment processors and and reinventing how... you know faceted navigation through an e-commerce site is supposed to work. That Those are all fundamentals that you kind of get out of the box for a platform. Yeah. Uh, there's a great uh, episode that came out a few weeks ago uh, where I interviewed uh, Ross from Trellis. And we broke down where in your business lifecycle and what investment levels you should be looking at for custom theme design. Mm -hmm. So we'll link to that in the show notes. But you know, here's the thing, guys. I kind of know these answers before I ask them because I've been interviewing people now for two and a half years on a lot of the same topics. So it's a pretty loaded question. But you know, I know that when you're going into more of the enterprise space, you're like $10 million plus, that's when you're going to be like, you know, going full bore on you know a quarter million dollar website design, and still those designs are you know I ordered from five different e-commerce stores uh, for gifts for myself for Christmas. Four of them were on Shopify Plus, and one of them was on Magento. So out of these five major brands, all of them are using off-the-shelf solutions. Yeah, and that's because again, the vast majority of businesses, the basics apply, or the even the the second called the novice, the second level functions apply. It's it, it, they're they're pretty universal. You know, you will see heavy customization if you have like something really unique about your product catalog. So I worked with a merchant one time that sold vintage weaponry. So it was all really the attribute structure was really really strange. The the like the matrix structures that they had for them were really strange. Are we talking like Civil War memorabilia? Yeah, like that kind of stuff. Like vintage rifles where there's thirty of a kind. Um, like that that kind of weird stuff tends to be require heavier customization, both for the the theme itself because you have to you know articulate more complex information but also just the functionality about how product attribution and navigation works can be a little more complicated you know i've worked with merchants that sell diamond rings that's another one that's really really complicated because your diamond is unique it's a serialized item and then you have configurable assembly item which is uh, put this ring together with this setting and then this unique uh, diamond itself. So that that kind of stuff can require pretty heavy customization. But again, that's a that's a minority of the use cases out there. Yeah, but there's something I want to point out with both of those examples and probably uh, a lot of the other examples that we could bring to mind is those heavier customized product pages and journeys and experiences that we're building out there are to help sell a very expensive product online. And it's hard to uh, duplicate just the power of a salesperson in person. And I would argue that a lot of those product pages are built in a way to almost be 
catalogy and have someone call in to get their answers and then finish up again online. Yeah, in a lot of ways they are. And that's, uh, I'm not sure how much of your audience sells B2B, but that's a similar kind of story in B2B e-commerce where you know the e-commerce website isn't really supposed to be, in, in, in the best case, a replacement to a salesperson. It's supposed to be a complement to the salesperson. And it, it sort of works hand in hand with that personal relationship that you have with the person who now doesn't have to push paper purchase orders around to take your large scale orders. Yeah. Similar kind of idea. Yeah. I've seen a lot of uh, B2B websites have great success with just building a direct and website knowing it's going to do nothing for them. Mm -hmm. But it allows people that are buyers from other businesses to navigate in a way that they are already familiar with navigating through the Walmarts and the Targets and the Amazons. Like They're like, Oh, I get how this works. And so you've just made a very, very easy to use brochure for your salesmen to go out and just sell more. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me. Uh, some of the older, been out there for a while, kind of B2B sites for maybe a distributor or a manufacturer or somebody like that are... are often designed so far away from the regular practices you'd expect to see on a, a product browsing experience. Everybody in the world is using Amazon. It's not a pretty site, but you know exactly where to go to find exactly what you need. And it's a huge product catalog. And um, people who don't think they're an e-commerce company forget those fundamentals and, and often don't apply them to their own website just because they don't think that is the same thing. Yeah, it's just it's become second nature uh, web browsing to to people. So it, you got to go with best practices. You know what I mean? It's it's only going to help. Oh yeah. Yep. Businesses are the most successful when they own their data, customer relationships, and their growth. That's why more than fifty thousand e-commerce brands like Living Proof, Huckberry, and Solo Stove trust Clavio to deliver their ideal customer experience. Clavio is the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for online brands of all kinds and all sizes. With email automation, SMS marketing, list growth tools, and more, you'll get everything you need to build strong relationships that keep your customers coming back. If you're tired of relying too heavily on paid advertising or third-party marketplaces for your sales success, you're not alone. It's time to take back control of the customer experience. More and more online businesses are moving to Clavio to grow higher value customer relationships through personalized email and SMS marketing. And the results are staggering. On what's typically the biggest weekend of the year for online retailers last Cyber Weekend alone, brands made nearly 1 billion in sales through Clavio's platform. That's 3.1% of total online sales that were powered by Clavio. Ready to drive future sales and higher customer lifetime value with a marketing platform built for your long-term growth? Get a free trial at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. All right. So we've kind of beat the topic to death on you don't go custom from the get-go. And then even at the top, you're still probably not going custom. But a lot of these platforms, Shopify specifically, has this entire giant app ecosystem. And so how do I navigate that? What should I be looking for when I want to add extended functionalities into my website? Uh, what is the sign of a good app, I guess? Yeah, I'm going to talk out both sides of my mouth here because I'm going to say uh, you're not unique enough to customize. But I'm also going to say at the same <laughs> time, there's no such thing as one technology that is perfect and going to solve all of your problems. And I don't care what their salesperson tells you. It does not exist. So where that kind of leaves you is, okay, I'm not supposed to build something to meet my uh, 
my what I view as unique business needs or you know my my needs that are somewhat unique or somewhat custom to what I need for my business and there's nothing exists that I can go buy that does it all more than likely. So what do I do? And that's where you have to understand the technology ecosystems that are available out there. And especially the big ones like your e-commerce platforms, your ERPs, your warehouse management systems, etc. Open APIs so that you can assemble a bunch of best practice technologies that achieve chunks of your business requirements. And you can kind of kludge them together in one platform that meets all of your needs. Absolutely. So uh, again, a lot of the listeners here are on Shopify. Just use Shopify. And then the app... like The thing you need to know about Shopify... And this is, I think, what people kind of get annoyed by on the same, the same term, I guess. I don't know. I'm just now talking in circles. Okay. Shopify does one thing well, and that is sell a product to an end customer. Any sort of other extended functionality, like there's a there's some things that come with core Shopify, but Shopify has drawn a line in the sand where they're saying, we are focusing on this core product, selling a thing to a customer. Any other functionality that you want, any more extended kind of usability, they are leaving up to the app ecosystem and their partners in the ecosystem. And that's because Shopify understands what they do really, really well. And it is that core product that is that hosted e-commerce solution. Uh, you know, from product listing to checkout, all of that core stuff is what Shopify focuses on. So then when you want to do things like subscription or automated email marketing or you know, expand upon the capabilities of your gift card solution, all of those are left to partners in the ecosystem. And uh, there are a lot to choose from. Yeah. It, it, so it's it's kind of interesting. That's that's a newer, I say newer, maybe the last 10 years approach that the leading software companies takes. If you look at Shopify, if you look at Salesforce, if you look at HubSpot, these big kind of gorillas in their in their um, in their ecosystems, they don't take the old school, I'll call it IBM to throw some shade at an older company approach of we're going to build everything. You're going to buy everything from us. And we're going to make it a little bit difficult for you to make our stuff play with anybody else's stuff. Shopify, for instance, they know that they're not going to be able to build or even try to build every single possible capability in a best practice way. So what they do is they provide one, a really, really strong API. And then two, a marketplace where their customers, merchants can go find all the other add-ons and integrations and other business products that they're going to need to run that business. So they have a kind of a one-stop shop and they don't have to go Googling around looking for these things. And then they cultivate a partner ecosystem where they actually support all these other companies who build their businesses on providing value-add products, value-add services around Shopify. If you have an idea, for instance, about, oh, here's a capability that Shopify merchants probably want that isn't available out of the box and I don't really see anybody else providing it. It takes you, I don't know, 20 minutes to go sign up to have a Shopify partner account and have the facilities to... you know write up your application, build it, deploy it out to their app store and start making money on it. It takes very, very little time because they've removed all the barriers to entry because they know that's how they have all the best tools on the market available that play with their system. Well, I do want to put the asterisks in it. Launching the app and joining the partner system doesn't take much time. Building the app, on the other hand... Well, yeah, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> that is that is essentially what the topic of this conversation is, is. Is it's difficult? That is time consuming, and people get caught up in the minutia, and they don't they don't want to launch lean and, and have an MVP, which is the only way to do it. True. My point there was less that the the products are easy to build, and more that Shopify says yes, build them. We are going to remove every barrier from you possibly being able to put it into our ecosystem once you have it built. 
because we know that if we have a whole ecosystem of really, really awesome value add products that are compatible with Shopify, that just benefits us, our customers who are now our mutual customers and we continue to win. Yeah, I think that's something that Shopify did extremely well when they were coming up. And I, they might have borrowed it from WordPress because the WordPress plugin ecosystem is mm-hmm. a monster. Mm-hmm. And that is something I will give to all the WordPress people out there. like The WordPress ecosystem and the solutions available for doing WooCommerce... Uh, there are a lot of them. I am just not a fan of non-hosted solutions. And WooCommerce is a plugin in and of itself. Like WordPress mm-hmm. is built for blogging. It's not built for e-commerce. And that's my two cents. But I will give it to you that there is a lot of extended functionality out there in their ecosystem. What do all e-commerce stores have in common? That's right. Customers. And those customers are going to have questions. Gorgeous is the leading e-commerce help desk with over 5,500 customers on Shopify, Magento, and BigCommerce. Their software is built with machine learning to optimize your support system and allow your team to save time and money on repetitive inquiries while still remaining personalized. What it does is take all of your customers' insights and information, brings it into their amazing dashboard so you can solve your customers' problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest to get your second month free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Yeah, so uh, kind of circling back to your original question or point, I remember how we started here. So you have Take Shopify, and then you have this huge ecosystem of all these add-ons, all these other third-party applications, all these other things that you can buy to kind of put together to, to build your tech stack. So now the key becomes, how do you figure out which ones are the right ones? There's, let's say, you know, for instance, email marketing. There's a whole bunch of different email marketing solutions out there that have varying levels of capability to integrate with Shopify. And you know, they have you know, uniqueness about how they do email marketing versus the other one. Which one are you supposed to use? How do you make sure it plays nicely with your marketing platform if you're doing you know, any kind of analytics tracking and things like that? If you have customer data in an ERP or somewhere else that you want to have factored into your email marketing, like how do you tie all these pieces together? That becomes the the challenge you have to face. Now that I told you, you can't build your software and you're not going to find one thing that does everything. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I am a, I am a merchant and we've proven our product market fit. We're, we're chugging along and we're starting to evaluate some more extended functionalities. Is there a telltale sign of a, a solution maybe better than others? Are there things I should be watching out for? Um, I'm biased toward anybody that has uh, well documented, openly available APIs. And, you know, as a merchant, you're more likely than not uninterested or maybe not even have the, the technical chops necessarily to know what that API does or how it works or something like that. Well, okay. Let me, let me double down there. Why is having that open access to an API important? Exactly. Because when you have an open API, that means you are also taking this open platform approach similar to what Shopify is doing. Now, that uh, ancillary technology probably doesn't have the market presence or the cap table or the cash flow that Shopify does. So they don't have the clout to like build their own marketplace all the time and then kind of have that uh, weight to throw around. But they are viewing themselves as we know we're a value-add service to other products that exist out there. So we're making it as easy as possible for us to be plugged into your tech stack so that you can use us along with a bunch of other things that do things that we don't do. Uh, I just want to... I guess I we've never really clarified what a tech stack is. So let's just explain that, I guess, to uh, some of the listeners that might be kind of younger in their journey. 
Yeah, sure. Tech stack, I mean, we kind of talked about it already. We just didn't call it a tech stack. All of the technologies you have to have that you piece together to, to run your business is a tech stack. Um, that's that's the term people throw around for it. So like I said, you're not just going to have Shopify. You're going to have Shopify and you're going to run your accounting on a QuickBooks. Or if you're a little more mature, something like NetSuite, you're going to have some system somewhere that uh, probably collects your orders and, and runs your warehouse. Or if you're using a, a, a third-party logistics provider, they're using it. You're going to have different tools for marketing. You're going to have different tools for you know, customer engagement. There's all sorts of different things you're going to use on a daily basis. I say this a lot to our customers. There was a study done in 2019, I think. So it's probably actually gone up since then that said the average business user actually uses eight plus pieces of software just in their daily workflow every single day. So that's what it looks like to the the end user or the merchant. All those things that you're using to get your job done, that's your tech stack. Awesome. And this is going to transition so well, I just realized, into what we're going to end on here. So I'm using these eight pieces of software, right? And I took your advice and I'm they all have open APIs and I'm allowed, to, you know, so we can kind of use that to our advantage. And you mentioned that like, so we're using eight things in my workflow every day. Mm-hmm. Having access to these APIs, how does that help my workflow? Yeah. So basically those pieces of software need to pass data back and forth to, I'll say, complete your business process. So you've got eight pieces of software in front of you. You have one business process. You have one thing you need to do, fulfill an order, for instance. You don't really care or or it's not really that important for you as the person getting that job done that these are separate pieces of software. That's really, it's a friction point for you. So what you want is the most seamless, what we call inner product experience for, for doing your job. The way that happens is that product A passes data to product B effectively, product B uh, passes to product C effectively, all in a way that automates or facilitates you getting your job done across these different products. The way software passes data to one another is through APIs. That's sort of the plumbing underneath the UI that you see on your screen that um, moves data. Take an order, for instance, takes an order from an e-commerce product like Shopify and puts it into an order fulfillment system that's a different piece of software. That happens through APIs. Yeah. And so I guess we should clarify now, if you're doing you know, 20, 30 orders a day, it's not hard to batch those at the end of the day, print them out and take them to the warehouse. But if you are moving to 500, 1000 orders a day, things get a little more tricky. Things can get lost in the shuffle. Any time that there is human element in that process is opportunity for error. Oh, absolutely. And it's stuff that no human really wants to do anyway. Does anybody want to triple check the 500 orders every day to make sure there was no errors? Or do you just want to let a computer do it? And uh, the computer, as long as you tell it to do it correctly, will always do it correctly. And then you can take that same person and have them spend time on more value add uh, work for your business. Absolutely. So what are... uh, I guess let's kind of end on what Blended Edge is up to these days. What kind of problems are you solving for your clients these days? Yeah. If you, if you look at the use case we just talked about, right, where a business user, a merchant has to have multiple pieces of software in their tech stack that all needs to play nicely together, pass data back and forth across one another, uh, between one another's APIs to, to let you do your job as a merchant. Where we come in is we help those software companies more effectively do that because a lot of them either don't have time to do it well, don't have time to make their APIs able to share data well, don't really know how the best ways to do it are, so that they create features for passing data around APIs that don't work that well or don't serve your needs as a merchant. There's a lot of different 
challenges that those software companies run into and we help them overcome those challenges. So any any software that you've ever used that just seamlessly plays nicely with anything else in your ecosystem or in your tech stack, sorry, that is something that is a company who has been able to you know, deal with these things in a best practice approach and we help uh, we help these software companies do that. Awesome. And I guess I just the, the one thing I do want to point out is like with all these APIs, having them access to it is one thing, but then it's the way that the data is served in and out is always ridiculously different. Oh yeah. So <laughs> that's something I guess we should highlight that there's no best practice on how the data should look or or be handled or or kind of be displayed, which just adds to the uh, the wonkiness of trying to make things talk nicely. Yep. To overly simplify it, there's kind of two ways that data movement happens. Uh, one is what I would call like just a native integration or a product integration. And that is product A takes Shopify, just talks directly to product B. It knows how to uh, interact with product B's API. Thing happens in product A, an event, check out an order, whatever. It just passes it directly to product B. The other approach though, is to use an integration platform where they're sometimes called an iPaaS, which is integration platform as a service. I've also heard lately uh, people have been referring to it as like a middleware. Yeah, middleware or sometimes you hear automation platform too. A lot of them are trying to get away from the word integration and they'll call themselves an automation platform. But really all that is, is another piece of software that sits in the middle. And its its sole job is to kind of be that bridge between all the technologies. So take data out of this one, put it into this one, then put it into this one and kind of automate data flows between different systems. And um, you know, knowing when to use something like that, and it can be something as simple, simple as Zapier or something as sophisticated as uh, Workato versus uh, knowing when to use a native, just kind of a direct point-to-point product integration is as much art as it is science. And um, you know that's, that's sort of what we help the software companies navigate through. But it's also something that a merchant kind of has to navigate through as well as you're thinking about your tech stack. Like, do you want to have this centralized integration thing that, that moves your data around? Or does it make more sense to have things that talk to one another natively? And likely, it's going to be some combination of both. Absolutely. Now, if I think for merchants listening, uh, I, I would just say you know you're probably going to be on plus and probably more uh, approaching the enterprise things when uh, a company like Ryan's might be useful to reach out to. So if they're feeling the pain points, uh, or if they're trying to currently work with an integration with a software company that's in their stack and they need some help, uh, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, easiest place is just blendededge.com. That's our website. You can fill out a form there. I mean, we're a small company. It goes goes to my inbox, so you'll get a hold of me. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter too. If you want to track me down, you just might get some random rants about Cleveland sports if you're on Twitter. But uh, you know, we're pretty easy to track down. And you know, as frustrating as uh, integration and APIs and data movement is for. I would say the majority of the population, this is what we live and breathe every day. So we are always jazzed to talk about it. Here are the problems. Here's what's go- here what's going well. Hear about you know new ways people have solved some of these problems. There's actually a pretty interesting ecosystem of things happening here as well that uh, we always love to hear about. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.